Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Gianna Melillo, Associate Editor of the American Journal of Managed Care. In January 2022, Vanderbilt University Medical Center, Meharry Medical College, and the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine announced the receipt of a $12.4 million grant from the National Institutes of Health to develop the Southeast Collaborative for Innovative and Equitable Solutions to Chronic Disease Disparities. The center's work aims to reduce disparities seen in the Southeast United States with particular focus on cardiovascular disease, obesity, diabetes, and other related conditions among African Americans and Latino populations. Currently, over 20% of this region lives in poverty, while racial and ethnic minorities comprise nearly 40% of the population. Southern states also tend to be the least healthy in the nation and account for the majority of Medicaid expansion holdouts under the Affordable Care Act. To learn more about geographic disparities in chronic disease rates, the American Journal of Managed Care sat down with Dr. Consuela Wilkins, Professor of Medicine, Senior Vice President, and Senior Associate Dean for Health Equity and Inclusive Excellence at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville, Tennessee. On this episode of Managed Carecast, Dr. Wilkins discusses factors that impede progress on chronic disease prevention and outlines the next steps for the Southeast Collaborative. This episode of Managed Carecast is part of the new AJMC podcast prevention series, bringing you the latest news on prevention advancements in disease. Welcome to Managed Carecast, Dr. Wilkins. To begin, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your work? I am Dr. Consuelo Wilkins. I am the Senior Vice President and Senior Associate Dean for Health Equity at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Here at Vanderbilt, I oversee the Office of Health Equity as well as the Office of Diversity and Inclusion. And I lead a portfolio of research focused on community health and health equity. Uh, as well as uh, drive some of the strategic initiatives at our institutions focused on health equity. Can you elaborate on which states are included in this Southeast Collaborative for Innovative and Equitable Solutions to Chronic Disease Disparities and just give a little bit more background as to how these, how systemic inequalities led to such sharp geographic disparities in chronic disease rates? Sure, you know, unfortunately, in the southeast or the southeastern part of the United States, um, health disparities are rampant. We have a high concentration of poverty and other social determinants of health that have really left uh, many in this region of the country um, disadvantaged in terms of being able to have optimal health. Um, Our new center is focused primarily with anchors in in Tennessee, so here in Nashville, uh, as well as Florida in Miami, where we have partnerships between Vanderbilt University Medical Center, Meharry Medical College, and the University of Miami School of Medicine. Um, It's an important um, partnership that we've been developing um, for more than uh, five years now focused on um, creating this really consortium of researchers focused on on health inequities in the Southeast. So 
Um, those are the primary states, but we do also um, have some connections with our studies in Georgia, uh, as well as Mississippi, and we hope to better connect the entire Southeast region. You know, it's really interesting if you start to look at, um, in many ways, uh, especially in the South, where historically racial and ethnic uh, groups have been marginalized uh, and their communities have been disinvested in, uh, you can actually see patterns of migration that lead back to desegregation or segregation uh, and slavery. So these parts of, of uh, this part of the country where we have such sharp you know, inequities really tracks in many ways to the, the structures and policies and systems uh, that were put in place really uh, to, to keep people in um, situations that disadvantage them. How does this initiative plan to encourage local community participation and what are your short and long-term goals for the program? So we have uh, really strong community partnerships already engaged in this new center. Um, in Nashville, as well as in Miami, we have community organizations and community leaders who um, have worked with us in the past and, and came on board to uh, really help us in coming up with the ideas and areas of focus uh, for the center, helping us to identify priorities such as uh, conditions um, that result from tobacco abuse, uh, as well as obesity. Uh, we had community partners involved in the creation uh, of the center. And so we have um, we included in the application and of course now in the center, uh, these community partners who help us develop it. And we have uh, community health centers um, who are federally qualified and serving disadvantaged and low income um, patients. We have community organizations who are focused on uh, immigrant and refugee health, community organizations who are focused on uh, African-American health. So we really have a lot of community partners um, involved in the work already. Uh, some of our short-term goals as far as um, community engagement uh, is concerned uh, with, is, are really focused more on making sure that the research that we're doing includes community voices from the beginning. So a key metric for us uh, is that has our research changed because of community involvement? Uh, and it's, it might seem like at times, especially for many scientists, that we don't need community input. Uh, but for us, a marker of success is actually, did we have a, a change in our research, the direction, the variables that we collect, the way that we do recruitment, uh, into clinical trials, something has to change uh, based on the community input for us to see that as successful. And then of course, long-term goals are really focused more on health and health outcomes. We want the communities that we've identified as priorities. So that's African-American, Hispanic, Latinx uh, are the, the top priorities based on you know, where we're located. 
uh, we want to see improvements in their health. We want people uh, to live longer, report a, a better quality of life, um, be able to thrive in their communities and in their jobs. Uh, those are really uh, important long-term outcomes, although you know, it may take decades before we fully realize those. Most of the states in the Southeast that are included in this center or as part of this research have not expanded Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act. Do you think this may have inhibited progress in preventing and managing chronic disease in this geographic region? No doubt that lack of access to healthcare is a contributor to the poor health outcomes that we see. Uh, now, of course, it's ideal if we're, uh, if people have access to preventative care, if they have access to healthy opportunities, if they have opportunities for education and economic opportunities, those are really key in general for health. But once you actually become ill or start to have the earliest signs of disease, and of course, for prevention, for screening, you really need access to healthcare and healthcare services. And uh, when we're trying to do health equity work in settings in cities and states and areas where people don't have access to um, healthcare services, it is a huge barrier. Uh, and I would say, certainly say that COVID-19 alone has been um, a really big indicator of what that looks like. So much of the guidance and many of the recommendations uh, that have come out about just even in the, in the last few months as, as the cases are starting to come down, recommendations about what to do, should you have another booster, people are being directed to their primary care doctor to get that advice. Uh, but more than 20% of, of Americans people living in the United States do not have a primary care doctor. So who are they calling to get this, to get this advice? There are some unique challenges that residents who live in rural locations in the U.S. face with regard to healthcare access, but there's also several social determinants of health that those living in more urban settings also face, such as, you know, food deserts or the urban heat island effect where the more asphalt and concrete, the higher the level of heat in cities and in response, the worse the air pollution becomes. So how do these hurdles impede both chronic disease prevention and management in each of these settings? If you could elaborate a little bit on that. Well, I think you've uh, outlined in your question, really, some of the challenges that we face and how, although they may be different on the surface, uh, based on whether you're in an urban location or a rural location, uh, at the root of these issues uh, are, are these social and structural factors um, th that are really um, demarcated by uh, economic circumstances. So. Um, the water quality in many rural communities is substandard. Uh, the access to healthcare, certainly in, in those areas, can be very challenging to people are driving 
hours to get to basic healthcare services. So, so those are really um, huge barriers that again are, are associated with socioeconomic status. Within the urban communities, even though in many uh, metropolitan areas, there is not a dearth of healthcare providers, um, they are often in, in communities um, that are not the most underserved or the, the communities that are most socially disadvantaged. So if you're living in a community um, that is impoverished, disinvested, uh, and you have, uh, you're working harder, but making less money, and you don't have a car, and you, you have to get, use public transportation to get, you know, miles away on the other side of town to where the doctors are in more affluent communities, that is going to be a barrier to, um, to your health. If you're living in a community where not only could there be a food desert, but there may be food swamps where the high concentration of fast food restaurants and um, package stores, um, places, corner stores that are, that are selling, um, you know, cigarettes, uh, single cigarettes to minors. Like these are more often seen in communities um, that have been socially dis disadvantaged, communities where uh, racial and ethnic groups that have been minoritized live. Uh, so these are huge ongoing challenges that people in those communities face. Can you speak a little bit to the importance of prevention of chronic disease as opposed to just treatment and management once someone is diagnosed with that disease? Of course, you know, primary prevention is always the best strategy. It's the least expensive strategy, and it's the one that's going to be associated with longer term survival, survival and better quality of life. Uh, if people are only seeing um, healthcare providers after they become ill, uh, then not only are we typically dealing with the immediate consequences of a, an illness or a health condition, uh, but the, um, the, the other consequences. So the, um, the physical um, disabilities, the um, mental health conditions, uh, the, the damage to other parts of your body, for example, when you're diagnosed with diabetes, um, most of the time you already have uh, vascular damage uh, by the time you're, you're diagnosed, unless you've been in some preventative uh, program or you've had active screening. So uh, it's really important for us to shift the focus away from um, what many would call not healthcare, but disease care, caring for people with diseases to keeping people healthy, allowing them to achieve their maximum or optimum, optimal uh, health. What are the next steps for this collaborative? Well, I'm very excited that we're um, starting to launch some key initiatives um, in our center. Um, we have just uh, had a call for new applications, um, pilot applications uh, focused on these health inequities and, and populations 
um, that have been uh, marginalized. Uh, and, and we're about to start reviewing these applications with the intent to award new dollars to researchers um, at all three institutions, Vanderbilt, Meharry, and Miami in the next few months. And this is so exciting in part because uh, we have our community advisors who are actually reviewing grants with us. So community members, community leaders uh, are involved in the actual evaluation of the grants, of the applications, and they will weigh in on which of these uh, we should be doing, which of these we should fund, which are most important and relevant to their communities. So that's incredibly exciting that we're, we're going to start doing even more research. So as part of the overall uh, collaborative application, we, we had proposed some initial projects and now we're about to fund even more. Um, in addition to that, one of our, our key um, focus areas is collecting data um, including social determinants of health. So one of the biggest challenges we face in um, doing health equity work is that we often don't have the right data to fully understand the social context in which people live, work, play, pray. Because we don't have that information, we're not actually able to disaggregate or take a closer look at the health data to develop interventions and strategies to address the issues that we find. So we are working across these organizations and states to come up with um, a shared set of data variables that we're going to collect in all of the studies. Uh, and, and that will be prioritized around social factors, structural factors, that we know impact health. And that is really going to help us long-term be able to address some of these health inequities. Great, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. To learn more about this issue, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.